Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guest today is Cameron Harold. He is a business growth guru, former COO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, author of the best-selling Double Double, and a book we're going to talk about today, Meetings Suck, Turning One of the Most Loathed Elements of Business into One of the Most Valuable. So, Cameron, thanks for joining me. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. So, uh, one of the... First things I think I read when I was researching uh, this book was that uh, you feel that meetings don't actually suck. It's the way we're running them, isn't it? Yeah, the reality is meetings don't suck at all. We just suck at running meetings. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to a, uh, a business associate of mine the other day, and we were chatting about our kids. And I said, you know, we would we would never send one of our kids off to play little league baseball without teaching them how to hold a ball or catch a ball or throw a ball or hold the bat. You know, we would never set them up for that embarrassment. And yet at the same time, we allow our employees to book meetings or attend meetings or participate in meetings without really having ever had any training on how to actually do any of those things. And so they all walk around saying, you know, meetings suck or, hey, dad, Little League sucks. But the reality <laughs> is we just haven't set them up for success. Yeah, so what are the things that, uh, because you're right, I mean, people have no training for it and so they probably just copy what they see everybody else doing. So, you know, what are some of those things that make meetings really not very pleasant? Well, part of it is that people aren't really sure what they're showing up for. Right. Um, so, you know, I say no agenda, no attenda. But if you allow people to know in advance what are we covering, in what order are we covering that content, and approximately how many minutes are we going to spend on each agenda item, then at least they know why they're showing up for the meeting. Or they might even opt out of the meeting and say, you know what, my time's better spent working on something else. Yeah, and you, one of the things I think is really interesting that you cover in the book is that you know, a meeting is not a meeting. I mean, there are types of meetings with different purposes and they have to be completely different, don't they? Exactly. Like when you're actually setting up a meeting, you really want to set up what the purpose and the outcomes of the meeting are. And that really then determines the agenda and determines the attendees for it as well. And every meeting style is completely different based on what you're covering. You know, there's really, as I cover in the book, there's really three different styles of communication that happen. The first one is what we call info share, which is information being shared, and it's either top down, bottom up, or lateral. And there's no real discussion, no debate. It's just kind of one-sided information being shared. So that might be uh, uh, somebody reporting to uh, a superior, here's what went on on that project. Yeah, or it also could be a State of the Union address where the sure. CEO is making a State of the Union or a town hall meeting where you're listening to you know, the, the, um, the, the team report up to you. The second style is the creative discussion, and that's the brainstorming, the blue sky. It's when you sit down and, and strategize and come up with lots of ideas and throw a bunch of stuff against the wall. And there's often no decision being made at those meetings, but you really want to get the ideas and advice from everyone on the team. So there's a lot more kind of collaboration and, and group thing happening at that point. And, and there have to be completely different rules for that, right? I mean, that brain. I see so many meetings that are supposed to be brainstormings, and they're really more info shares. <laughs> Exactly. And that's, that's really what you want to try to do. And I cover it in Meeting Suck as well, is talking about how do we actually get the ideas out from some of the quieter, you know, the analytical, agreeable people in the groups? How do we get those, um, those people that maybe don't speak up as often? How do we get them to communicate and to share their ideas? Because if we don't, what was the point of having them in the room in the first place? So I try to give some really easy to implement systems to get everyone in the room sharing, everyone in the group working together. Otherwise, there's no point in them having been attending. And then the third one, uh, consensus? 
Yeah, the third one is the consensus decision, and that's when we're covering all the information, the ideas, pulling up numbers, you know, debating, and we actually leave the debate in the room. So we walk out of the room with a decision being made, either by the group or by a leader, by someone, but we agree that all of the discussion and debate happened in the room, and that we agree that we now kind of left it on the table, and we've got consensus as we walk out of the room. Yeah, and, and you emphasize that so much, uh, that idea in the consensus meeting, leaving it all there. What, you know, what's, the, what's the value? Well, the real value of that is to make sure that everyone says their bit and that they don't walk out of the room without feeling like they weren't heard. It also makes sure that people don't go back to their teams and start stirring up any of the political agendas that they may have on their own. You know, like, well, the decision was made, but I didn't really support it kind of stuff. And that's, you know, you really want to prevent that from happening. Do you find that in organizations that um, meetings and the way meetings are run is kind of part of the culture? I'm not sure what you mean. Well, so in other words, um, I've seen some organizations where they're very, they're very top-down driven. And so, you know, meetings are basically the boss standing around telling everybody what's going on. Yeah. But then I've also seen organizations where, you know, collaboration is really it and and nothing's really decided, you know, like you said, that it's more of a consensus and everybody's supported and asked to join. And, and I find that that's sort of how those meetings are run tends to be a little bit of the culture of the organization. For sure. And you're exactly right that the culture of the organization will definitely seep out in the meetings. And again, my book, Meeting Suck, is meant for companies that want to affect change, that want to be better, that right, want right. to grow their cultures, right? It's not there to, it's not there to help government. You know, government will never really get it. <laughs> um, if you've got kind of that dictatorial, top-down, autocratic style of, well, it's my way or the highway, do this or get out, you know, it's not going to help those guys either. Well, so, so do, you, do you believe that meetings, changing the way meetings are run can actually impact the culture? Oh, in a big way, because it starts to show the employees that if they're showing up for something and they're allowed to opt out on meetings that maybe they don't feel that they should be at because their time is better spent working on something else, they start seeing value in their time, value in their work, value in their opinions. That's huge. They start seeing that when they're going to these meetings that stuff's actually getting done. Um, so, yeah, it changes the culture in a big way. Yeah, because there's a, there's this meeting dread, you know, that that so many people have that I think kind of sucks the life out of people, and just changing that even uh, could could be pretty meaningful, couldn't it? And yeah, and that's exactly how it must feel for some eight year old kid that goes off to little league baseball that's never been taught the basics. He must hate it, right? And he hates it because he doesn't have the basics to have fun, and so he feels a little bit left out and a little bit not as good as the rest, right? Yeah. But if you if you give that kid the basics, then they go into it and they feel good about it. So very, very similar. It's one of the things I've noticed about Meeting Suck now is that you know that companies are buying hundreds of copies of this for their employees because they really want everyone to read it, whether you're just attending a meeting or whether you're participating in one or whether you're actually leading or moderating a meeting. The content is broken up into you know three or four different um, main kind of content areas for those different groups. Yeah, so you could almost look at this as a, a meeting methodology or meeting process, and just like any process, if you know everybody has to do it, right? Exactly. And my whole background came out of the franchising world. You know, I helped build companies called One Eight Hundred Got Junk and Boyd and Gerber Auto Collision and College Pro Painters that were all very um, systems focused, but very easy to execute, easy to implement systems. So I tried to include all of that content in here for the readers. One of the things that you, and you already alluded to this, um, one of the things you really lean on is that an agenda is perhaps the most important element and that it has to be sent ahead. Um, talk a little bit about the importance of that and what it should contain. 
Yeah, the agenda should be covering what are we going to be going over, how many minutes are we going to be spending on it. You can also then put down the communication style that we're having for that specific agenda item. Yeah, so it's almost like the goal. <laughs> exactly. Like, so we're going to discuss uh, customer feedback. It's going to be a bottom-up info share, and it's going to be for seven minutes. Mm. Agenda item number two is going to be blah, blah, blah. And when you really spell it out saying this is what we're covering in this order, how many minutes on each, and what the style is, it allows certain people to say, you know what, I'm going to show up for these two agenda items, but I don't need to be there for the rest of the meeting. So I'll go back to my desk and work on the projects that are most important or most impactful at that time. And if you really think about the value of your resources, we only have three resources, people, time, and money. You really don't want to be squandering those with people sitting in meetings that they don't need to be in or even in parts of meetings. Yeah, and what you just talked about, though, has to be okay. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of organizations – that would be seen as rude, right? I mean, people sit around going, oh, God, this doesn't have anything to do with me. I shouldn't even be here. Uh, but but they're not empowered to leave. And so that has to be really kind of top-down driven too, doesn't it? Yeah, it has to be part of the culture that you allow people to opt out. But at the same time, what often happens as well in companies is we often invite people because we don't want to hurt their feelings. Mm. <laughs> so let's, let's invite Kelly and Bob as well because I don't want to make them feel they don't like – and meanwhile, Kelly and Bob are going, God, I don't want to be there anyway. So like, nobody's really actually valuing them and their time. So by saying to them, look, let's act like Navy SEALs. You've got a job to do. Go kill it. And we'll do this one. We'll kill it. We've all got everybody's back. Everybody feels empowered. Everyone feels they're working in their kind of unique ability areas. And no one feels like their time is being wasted. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Alignable, the network exclusively for business owners to network with each other. Connect and meet with business owners nearby in your community. Generate referrals, do co-promotions, and create awareness for your business. Engage in discussions, get answers to questions, and share your insights. And best of all, you can sign up today at Alignable.com because it is free. Um, are there any you've, you've probably covered well the agenda being a, a big do you know are there any other do's and don'ts that, uh, that that you want to cover yeah one of the big ones is that if you show up five minutes or if you show up on time you're late right you've got to show up five minutes early yeah. and it's it's similar to I, I use the analogy of a, a swimmer um, if you were an Olympic swimmer and you were showing up for an Olympic swim meet and your race was at nine o'clock would you show up for that race right at nine o'clock and come running out of the deck going, Hey, I'm here. Yeah. With your sweats on. And yeah. yeah. It's early and get your warming and your stretch and listen to music and kind of get ready and be on the starting block for when they say ready and then they shoot the gun off. Right. You, you wouldn't show up exactly on time. So if you're not five minutes early, you're late. Yeah. That's interesting too, because I think that's a cultural thing too. I, I see that so often where it's just almost expected that you're not really going to start till 10 minutes after. Yeah, and that just disrespects other people's time, right? So you really, really have to work towards that. And one of the great rules that I try to cover in the book is finish everything five minutes early. So you know, if we're on for a 30-minute um, interview, we go from 2 o'clock until 2.30, we could be finishing at 2.25, and that allows us to walk down the hall and talk to our assistants and get a cup of coffee and go to the bathroom, check our email, and sit down exactly at 2.30 to be able to do our next call or podcast exactly on time. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you a fan of, of kind of a, an established rhythm of meetings? So, you know, the annual, the quarterly, the monthly, the weekly, the daily, um, you know, like a lot, there are a lot of, of, uh, you know, management strategies that kind of feel like you have to have that rhythm. Are you a fan of that? 
Yeah, very much so. I think you actually need to have the meeting rhythm so that the right types of meetings are always being done. So you have your, you know, your annual and quarterly retreats. You have your finance meeting that would be run monthly. You have your strategy meetings that might happen every two weeks to every four weeks. Uh, you have your, your weekly action review or your leadership team meeting that would happen every Monday. And then you'd have your one-on-one -on -one coaching meetings where you're coaching and helping to develop anybody who reports to you, really you know, giving them the, the skill development and direction. So those, those meeting rhythms are really powerful. And then what you do when you have those right meeting rhythms is play, in place is you don't spend all the time going back and forth using email with people or on Slack or on chat because you're going to be able to talk to them face-to-face -face or over video at the meeting that is regularly scheduled. Yeah, and they know that too. And so yeah. People hold on to things, hopefully, for that. Yeah. Right. Again, most people want to avoid the regular meetings because their meetings suck. But when you run meetings <laughs> in a great way, then all of a sudden people are looking forward to them because they know that it's where they're getting some of their best work done. Yeah. Now, obviously, in those, you know, that daily or that annual retreat and and that, uh, you know, maybe that quarterly meeting, those are going to probably be more lengthy. But is there kind of a sweet spot for a, t a length of a meeting? I always try to get people to book the meeting for half the time they first think about booking it for. So if you're going to book it for an hour, book it for 30 minutes. It's like a quickie. You'll get it done in less time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the daily huddle is probably one of the more powerful meetings, and that's the seven-minute all-company stand-up meeting, usually run around 11 o'clock or 2 o'clock when the energy level drops. And it's when the team is sharing good news, going through the key numbers, departmental updates, and then any missing systems. And it's that regular pulse that happens, very similar to an American football team where you, you, know, you have a huddle before every play, yeah. and then you go out and you execute, and then you come back to huddle. And that regular pulse is very, very powerful. Today, um, you know, a meeting doesn't mean we're all sitting around the same table. Um, are, are there some significant differences in how you would conduct a meeting of people in person uh, versus five people that are coming in via satellite or whatever other channel? Yeah, so I use a lot of um, Zoom, which is a really strong uh, app for multi-channel, multi-person video or phone chat um, or phone sort of conferencing. And then we tie that in with the people in person as well. Yeah. Um, so I do a lot of meetings where I'll have people in front of me and people over Zoom as well. But does that change some things you'd need to do or the dynamics or is it just another piece of the puzzle? It changes a little bit where you don't necessarily see the person in front of you. So you need a moderator to be able to see that those people are putting their hands up and asking questions. Yeah. Uh, when you have them on video, they tend to be participating just as actively as anyone else in the room. So if you have, you know, like my, my home boardroom has a, um, a large green TV on the wall and then we have, you know, the ability to have uh, video and see people in the, in the camera. So you could have six people sitting at the table and six people up on, on Zoom and you can all kind of interact really well with each other. You can also do it remotely, so you can have multiple people in multiple windows at the same time. Right. Um, so I'm talking to Cameron Harold. We're talking about the meetings suck, turning one of the most loathed elements of business into one of the most valuable. Um, can you put? Can, I know you can't assign a dollar amount, but can you? Can, do you have some some analytics on the uh, increase in efficiency and maybe perhaps even? profits that something like this could bring to a larger organization? Sure. Let's just, you know, if you run a rough number, let's say that it was a company of a hundred employees whose, you know, the average employee spends, let's say one hour a day in meetings, participating or attending or running meetings, which is probably low, but if it's an hour a day and let's say that half of that time is being wasted. So really what you've got is a hundred hours a day 
and 50 of those hours a day are being wasted. And if the average person makes, you know, $80,000 a year, when you've got 50 hours at $40 an hour, you're wasting $2,000 a day times 220 yeah. you know, business days. It's staggering. The numbers really, really add up. Yeah. Now, on top of that, it's also the frustration. You know, it's the frustration where people just don't feel valued. They don't, they're not working on the best stuff. They don't feel like their work is valued and, and they go back to their desk and they underperform as well. Or they have to spend time preparing for these useless meetings that, you know, their work isn't even valued. So it's a lot of that, you know, paper pushing that happens where it spins off even more. So you could probably go with two hours a day per person. And, and I wonder how many organizations actually, um, you, you know, I've, I've seen people inside of organizations where it sort of seems like they fill their day up with meetings because they don't really have, they're not really producing anything else. I, I wonder if, uh, if you really came down hard using your rules, if you would expose that maybe you've got people you don't need. Yeah, there is an awful lot of time being wasted, an awful lot of people wasting time because they can hide behind that. Yeah. You start running these productive meetings and finish every meeting, who's doing what by when, and getting that accountability started, you'll start seeing that people won't really want to be able to hide out. Or you make sure that people are talking and, and communicating and working through issues in the meetings, and you'll start being able to weed those people out as well. Have you developed any tools that uh, that are companion to the book? Uh, um well, yeah, my, my first book, Double Double, has all kinds of amazing systems related to the rest of the company, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So we're, obviously the book is available um, anywhere people buy books, but uh, is there anywhere else you would send them to find more information about uh, you and your work and, and your uh, uh, these books? Yeah, if they go to CameronHerald.com, that's my main website. And then the biggest initiative that I'm working on today is the COO Alliance, which is really the only group in the world that is exclusively for the second-in-command. Awesome. And that is, is that something that uh, has a website itself or is that yeah, off of Cameron? Yeah, it's got its own website. It's the COOalliance.com. Awesome. You know, there's millions of groups for entrepreneurs to learn, but sure. in the COO. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, Cameron, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, awesome book. Ought to be read. I don't care the size of your organization. Ought to be read and practiced. So appreciate uh, the work and appreciate you stopping by the, the podcast. Thanks, John. Appreciate you having me.